Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I have a returning guest to the show and I'm speaking again to Amber Omaniak. Amber is an emotional eating, digestive and hormone expert who helps professional women achieve optimum health through mindful eating, self-care and overcoming self-sabotage with food. Her podcast, The No Sugar Coating Podcast, has a million downloads, over 300 episodes and is listened to in over 88 countries. And she was featured on TV personality Whitney Port's podcast and has also appeared on local TV 50 times in the last three years alone. Amber overcame her own emotional eating after gaining and losing more than a thousand pounds and spending over $50,000 on binge foods and spending five years balancing her hormones and digestion. Now she helps others achieve body freedom so they have the confidence and health to create amazing lives. If you want to hear Amber's recovery story, do listen to her previous episode on this podcast. Episodes, I should say, actually, she has been on more than once. In this episode, Amber explores all or nothing approaches to food, life, work, relationships and more. And many of us can identify with this all or nothing approach to life. Maybe you're wondering about the impact of your genetics or environment and understanding why you're an all or nothing person. Maybe you're feeling that it's impossible to change and you're resigned to live like this. Amber does a deep dive into this topic and gives a multitude of tips and wisdom on how to find a more balanced place of harmony and healing for every person drawing on her own lived experience and through many years of supporting her clients. Let's get to the conversation. Hi, Amber. Thank you so much for returning to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. I'm so happy to be here with you, Harriet. Thank you again for having me. So Amber, for people that don't know you, could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, definitely. So I am an emotional eating gut health and hormone expert, and I've had my business for 10 years and I've helped women all over the world heal, you know, the self-sabotage with food, the all or nothing that we're going to talk about today that I find just fuels all of that. Really claim your power back and be able to move forward very in tune with your body for yourself of the bloating and the low energy and the body image struggles. It's really about taking your power back. So after healing all that myself prior to starting my business, I really saw, you know, how many women were struggling and how needed it was in the world and just naturally started to attract women who were very drawn to my story and going through similar things and now finally feeling like they're not alone. So, and here we are 10 years later. (laughs) Yeah, here we are. No, great. Thank you for sharing that, Amber. And Amber, do you have anything exciting to share in terms of what's going on for you in your world at the moment? Oh my goodness. I feel (laughs) like there's so many positive things. However, it's funny actually with this whole all or nothing conversation we're going to have today, because A big part of what I find fuels hormone imbalances in women is having an all or nothing mentality because our nervous systems are so overwhelmed. And so I'm hosting a hormone group program and that's dropping now. And just, yeah, really excited to continue to see women coming in, progressing with their healing. And it's going to be spring soon, which I'm super pumped about, like weather related excitement because it's been very snowy and cold here. I don't know how it is there for you, but we're just ready for some nicer weather and spring is around the corner. So those are the things I guess I'm really pumped about. Yeah, no, exciting. Yeah, no, it's a nice time of year, isn't it? Like we've got some lighter days and sunshine here in the UK and yeah, getting a bit warmer too. So feeling those spring-like vibes, definitely. Yes. 
So, Amber, we're going to do a deep dive into the all or nothing mentality. So could you firstly just sort of tell us, like, what do we mean by the all or nothing mentality? Yeah. So it's definitely, there's some different ways to look at it. It's that either you're all in and you're trying to be perfect. And we can use the example of like the diet, your weight loss plan, trying to eat clean, trying to be perfect in your work, show up perfectly on social media. And then when that gets exhausting or overwhelming, or you don't achieve your goal, like the weight loss or the looser fitting clothes or the money goal or whatever it is, now all of a sudden you're getting so frustrated with yourself. You're beating yourself up. The pendulum is swinging so extremely the other way into the nothing, which is the self self-sabotage with food, the emotional eating, the binging, the throwing all your self-care and good habits out the window. And, you know, you're overbooking yourself and you're just completely overwhelmed. So it's like the pendulum is swinging to such extremes from being all in or trying to be perfect with something to then falling so off with it. And I know that that spectrum can look different for everybody. Some people call it the right black and white thinking, the perfection and non-perfection. But to me, that's what it's really about. And it's extreme. Even if for you, you don't think it is, it usually has quite a significant intense impact on your mental, emotional health, your nervous system, your hormones, your relationship with food and your body. So that's kind of how I like to describe the all or nothing. We can go deeper, but just for starters. Yeah. No, thank you for explaining that. And I think, yes, so many of our clients, and I know listeners to the podcast will be relating to this all or nothing mentality. And one thing I'm curious about, Amber, is a lot of my clients will say to me, I'm such an all or nothing person. This is just the way I am about everything. And I wonder, like, do you have a point of view about whether this is like something someone can be more genetically predisposed to? Or do you think it's environmental? Or do you think it's a bit of a mix of the two? Good question. So I really believe it comes from mindset conditioning, because if you grew up in a family and your parents and those closest to are all or nothing, we live in a very all or nothing society. We inherit that conditioning, that programming, even some may call it brainwashing so easily because it's the behavior we observed, you know, and took into our subconscious mind growing up. I feel like it's so mindset based because essentially the ego to me, that negative voice in the mind you know, convinces us, well, you're not good enough. You're not worthy. So you have to prove you have to people, please. You have to be perfect. And if you can't do any of that, you're never going to be good enough. So I feel like it's been normalized to say, oh yeah, I have an all or nothing. And it's just the way that I am. But when we actually observe like, okay, but what's your quality of life? Do you really love yourself? Do you feel worthy? Do you feel connect with your body? Or are you in a spiral with like diets and relationship with food? Are you exhausted all the time? Are you in this needy, desperate place to people please, right? To get validation? Because if that's actually what's below the all or nothing mentality, then it's not just the way you are. And ideally, the goal is there's some things for you to be willing to look at and face and work through so that you can actually have balance and have more of a steady stability and consistency with these different areas of your life versus extremes. Because like I said, it impacts the body and the emotional state so much to be going back and forth all the time. It's very stressful. It's incredibly stressful, isn't it? But I know as well sometimes... I talk to clients about trying to embrace a more balanced place. Sometimes it kind of feels quite boring or unexciting after you've been on this emotional roller coaster of the all or nothing. Because <laughs> of course I can, the all or nothing, it's quite painful, isn't it? Because you have yeah. your periods of feeling that everything is going well and you're good enough, et cetera. But those are kind of fleeting momentary bursts of self-esteem sort of interspersed with um, a roller coaster of negativity and not feeling physically or mentally good. 
But would you say as well, is that something that some of your clients would say as well, that maybe when they're thinking of being more balanced, sometimes that can feel really unfamiliar or maybe a bit boring or they're perhaps a bit unwilling to engage with that initially? Yes, 100%. And a big reason for that is because we get caught up in these comfort zones of suffering. Because like you said, it's painful to be in an all or nothing mentality. And it's usually people have it in every or most area of their life, not just with food or their bodies, right? So it's impacting everything. Yet the ego, that negative voice convinces us, oh, this is fine. You're good. You don't want to change that. Like you said, it's uncomfortable. It's unfamiliar. Being in an unfamiliar place, that might be a bit nerve wracking. I feel a bit of fear. Oh, what if it's boring, like you said, but those are all stories and that's all blocking us from being able to explore the potential of balance because our natural state is meant to be balanced. We're not supposed to be so stressed, overwhelmed, severe adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, gut issues, suppressing everything down with food and disliking ourselves or hating ourselves and feeling so disconnected from our bodies and our emotions. We're meant to have harmony with our bodies because if all or nothing really worked, would we see civilization be in such a state of crisis with your health and well-being, right? So mm-hmm. to me, it's really around understanding like the ego will make up all the reasons, stories, and excuses why trying to actually shift out of this and into something that yes is unfamiliar now but will become familiar to because the ego doesn't want to lose the ego wants to stay in control and keep you in your old habits with the diets the quick fixes the using food or alcohol or tv to numb out the ego wants you to continue to stay in perfection right now here's one thing i want to just share which is you can be a high achiever you can have big goals i don't a discount you have to throw your dreams out the window but perfection is unattainable and i think it's so important that we start to like give ourselves the grace because staying in all or nothing is keeping us disconnected from filling our void and claiming our worth. And when you lead from worth and really knowing your value versus insecurity, your life completely changes and you finally heal. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Amber, could you explain a bit more about the ego? Because I'm wondering as well if some people listening may not be completely familiar or understand with that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. We all have one, that's for sure. And the ego lives in the mind. It's the analytical part of you that makes you critical of yourself. You compare yourself to others. The part of you that gets upset when you get on the scale and you don't like the number that you see. The part of you that convinces you, you have to be perfect on the diet. You have to be perfect in your work. You have to overachieve. You've got to prove because if you don't and people don't like you, well, your self-worth is crushed. The ego is the part of you that convinces you you're not good enough, not worthy, that wants you to keep in a fight with yourself and wants to convince you to play a very small game of life. When we've given our power away to our ego as well, this is when we feel a lot of negative emotions. And there's nothing wrong with feeling negative emotion. But if you're constantly in victimhood mode, poor me, the world's out to get me, I'm not good enough, nothing ever works for me, or you're in a lot of fear and worry and you're making a lot of your decisions from that place, your ego is very much leading you rather than you living more in your heart and your power and leading yourself. And when you're in your power, your shoulders are back, your energy, you know, is more grounded, you're making decisions out of like love and compassion and peace and happiness, you're in a more balanced state. When we're in our ego, we're in more extreme behaviors, like all or nothing mentality, we will self sabotage when we're in the ego as well. And then, you know, when we're in our power, we'll be more mindful of like, you know what, I know it's uncomfortable to heal my all or nothing or to heal my relationship with food, but I'm going to muster up my courage and bravery because I'm tired of tolerating the suffering. So the ego is very much the negative, limiting belief, negative talk part of us. 
right? That doesn't want us to do anything to take care of ourselves or change and wants us to stay in the same place because it thrives off of that and kind of off of our suffering. And the true us in our power lives more in the heart and we're kinder to ourselves. We respect ourselves more, right? Versus the ego doesn't want you to drink enough water. The ego doesn't want you to nourish your body or spend time in self-care. The ego wants you to just binge watch Netflix for the rest of your life and ignore the rest. Does that Mm. help a bit? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're talking as well about how the ego can keep us stuck in sort of self-sabotage. So can you just elaborate a bit more on that? Yeah, exactly. So the ego wants to convince you to tolerate your suffering, to tolerate that, oh, your emotional eating isn't that bad. Your binge eating isn't that bad. Having two glasses of wine every night isn't a big deal. You know, watching four hours of TV when you get home and not taking any time for yourself isn't a big deal. You're too busy. So when the ego can convince us to tolerate our suffering, right, then we stay in it. And then our physical symptoms get worse and you get more fatigued, you get more bloated, your cycle gets worse, your PMS symptoms, you gain more weight, but then the ego triggers you and is you get upset with your body that it's your body's fault. And your ego's like, okay, if I can keep her fighting with her body and in these habits, this is great because then I get to stay and the suffering is continued to be tolerated. The ego will convince you, oh yeah, you should keep using food. Food is a friend, right? Food doesn't judge you. That And that's what came up for me. And that's one of the things that kept me blocked from really wanting to heal my binge eating for a while. My ego is just like, it's not that bad. You want to lose weight and just be happy. And food's a friend and it tastes good and you feel good when you eat it. But what was really behind that, that my ego is also saying is, oh, it's too scary to change. Who would you be without food and body image weight battle struggles? Like if you cleared all that out, you'd have nothing, right? So there's this huge fear of who would I be if my identity changed? What if it doesn't work, right? What if I try doing deeper work and getting more uncomfortable and it doesn't work? So the ego really wants to convince you with fear and worry failure is bad. Don't try, right? If you fail, the world's going to be over. That's the kind of verbiage that the ego will bring in to convince you that your self-sabotage is okay and that you should tolerate it. And it's a comfort zone of suffering though. So it's so important that we start to recognize this voice because this voice will bring up every reason, story, and excuse why we shouldn't change and why everything's fine the way that it is, even though below that deep down, we know that we deserve better and that the suffering is so tiring and staying in these habits keeps us honestly from living the most fulfilling, free, happy, healthy life in all ways. So we want to start paying attention to that voice. And I talk about that all the time in my podcast with my clients, because I get it. Fear comes up, worry comes up. People don't like getting uncomfortable. People don't like getting vulnerable. But what does it cost you to keep tolerating the suffering, to keep tolerating the reasons, stories, and excuses, why you're afraid to change, why you're afraid to get uncomfortable, because they add up really fast. So Mm. that to me is how the ego keeps us in suffering, is the fears, the reasons, stories, and excuses, that it's a comfort zone, it's safe. But I find, you know, we don't want to have to wait to get to the point where we're suffering so much physically, emotionally, energetically, that that's what motivates us to change because you don't want to end up getting really sick or having it cost you a ton more money or costing you relationships or you passing on unhealthy habits to your kids. Like, don't let it get to that point, you know, where your quality of life is so significantly impacted. Be willing to challenge your ego, whether you decide to do it on your own or get help with it, but be willing to, because otherwise the suffering just accumulates. And that's what created my garbage can moment where I binged and threw it away and ate it of the garbage can because I was continuing to tolerate all the reasons, stories and excuses and fears around change. And then I ended up in that moment, but that's the moment that I'm like, whoa, 
I can't tolerate this suffering anymore. I'm no longer willing to let my ego, all these reasons, stories, and excuses keep me stuck. Like I have such a deep desire to change this. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Amber, and you know, that real sort of vulnerability there, because I think so many people that I've worked with have really sort of had those fears around identity and mm-hmm. who will I be without this? I think it's such a common thing, isn't it? You know, that people yeah. do have a lot of stories and fears and blocks about change. It's really sort of challenging, isn't it? We kind of get stuck in that place because the ego can be so powerful and strong, can't it, when it's building so much momentum, really? Yeah. And it's not just with that self-sabotage with food. You know, I see examples of clients who will do their hormone testing and say their stress hormone cortisol is through the roof. And then we discuss, okay, like, how do you feel about making some tweaks and changes to your exercise routine? Because of course, exercise, we stimulate and produce more cortisol and it's throwing off your thyroid and it's impacting other things negatively. And if we don't bring some balance to that, this may never change or take like way longer. And then if someone gets triggered, you know, I'm fearful of like what slowing down a little bit or because they have their identity wrapped up in like, yeah, I have to exercise to lose weight or I'm not good enough if I slow this down. Right. So we start to see other areas of insecurity that mm. are funneling in. And then we have the resistance come up. And so it's funny how people put up a fight to shifting things that are actually going to help them heal and change because they've tied their worth again to something external rather than knowing like I'm worthy regardless of what my workout routine looks like this week. I'm worthy regardless of if I helped 10 people or if I just helped myself, right? This is where there's a huge block where the ego will win until we dig deeper. Yeah, no, it's so true, isn't it? And I think as well, like what you were saying earlier about kind of how this all or nothing is created in our external environment and just kind of, you know, how is it brought up or the messages we get in the media, et cetera. Mm. It's so easy, isn't it, to fall into that trap of being so externally validated or looking outside of ourselves to feel good. And then the whole of social media and everything else, <laughs> it really fuels it, doesn't it? So it's yes. massively challenging, isn't it, when we start to think about not leaning our worth on these external things. Yes, 100% because we're chasing that dopamine hit. You people please because you can't wait and are anticipating the other person going, oh, thank you, you're so great because you haven't been able to validate yourself or be able to produce enough serotonin and dopamine yourself. So now you're chasing your worth and the dopamine hit from someone else, right? Just like the validation on social media or money. Like that's something I learned early on my business. Like, wow, I need to... Yes, celebrate when someone signs up and that energetic exchange of giving the service and receiving the money comes in, but I don't want to chase a dopamine hit and that be the thing. So it can morph and shift into all kinds of things. But this is why it's so important for us to be willing to work on the all or nothing mentality and bring in balance because the more balanced your nervous system, your thoughts, emotions, right? Your environment to the best of your abilities, guess what? The more mood boosting serotonin, that feel good neurotransmitter you produce, the more stable your dopamine, the more stable your mood. And then you're not having to go to extremes like perfection or overbook schedules, people pleasing, using food, et cetera, to try and get a dopamine high. So there is a brain chemistry aspect of this that is so significant. And like you said, we've been so conditioned in society for the quick fixes, the quick dopamine hits. And that is also part of why we put up resistance because while it might take a little bit longer to produce serotonin via a self-care routine until I like really get into that versus if I just eat, I get the instant dopamine hit. So it takes time to like reprogram our bodies and our brains to not want to just go so quickly toward the old things that aren't serving us and to be patient, right? And know that as we heal and we shift and we clear this out, 
we actually will start to feel discomfort when we try Mm. to revert back to old habits. And now that will feel unfamiliar. And what will feel comfortable Mm. and familiar is catching your ego, right? Building Mm. balance, facing your emotions, wanting to set healthy boundaries and not people please. That becomes your power and your new state of comfort. So it shifts. Mm. Yeah. No, it's exciting, isn't it? When you kind of get back to that place and really tapping into your own power. Yeah. Remember, I'm sure like a lot of people listening are probably thinking, oh my goodness, I relate to this so much. Like my ego is totally ruling my life. <laughs> I was totally externally validated. Like help. Like where do I begin? Where does someone start to like start to break out of the all or nothing mentality and start to be kind of less ruled by the ego? <laughs> a short advertisement break. Friends, does it seem like I'm okay until I'm stressed, then I can't stop eating? Am I ever going to stop binging? I just can't slow down or relax. I can't tell my hunger and fullness, even though I think I'm eating enough. I'm fine with food till something happens, and then I'm restricting or emotional eating or not buying groceries again. I surround myself with body positive pictures, wearing more comfortable clothes, but I still can't stand my body and I fear gaining weight. You don't acknowledge you might just not have felt a sense of safety inside you for recovery efforts to fully land. This means you might be living in chronic fight, flight, freeze or please, and you need new experiences of the threat responses softening that cause the eating and body image issues in the first place so the recovery can actually stick. If you're seeking the missing piece in your food, weight and health recovery journey, consider trauma-informed nutrition counselling with Tracy Brown and Associates. Tracy can be reached at www.tracybrownrd.com slash get hyphen started. That's www.tracybrownrd.com slash get hyphen started to learn how to shift what has been too much or not enough inside for food to feel easy. Yeah, totally. First thing, try to have compassion for yourself. You're not a bad person. There's nothing wrong with you. You haven't done anything wrong. This part of us has been programmed pretty much since childhood for most people in this world. And so it's to understand we haven't been taught about it. It hasn't been brought to our awareness. So I think the first step is starting to build awareness around what it feels like when you've given your power away to your ego. What are the bodily, physical sensations and the thoughts and feelings versus what does it feel like when I'm in my power? So I find when, and I've noticed too, like if I give my power away, my clients give my power away, they describe, I feel a tightness in my chest. My shoulders contract. I contract. My muscles feel tighter. My energy drops. I get a headache. I got a stomach ache. I catch my energy ramping up and I get kind of like anxious or frantic. And then I go into the old behaviors, the old negative self-talk, the chasing, the dopamine hits, the people pleasing, et cetera. So start to be aware of, and even start a journal, like this is what it feels like in my body. These are the negative thoughts that I think, the emotions, right? Like I said, it's Mm -hmm. the negative limiting beliefs and emotions versus, okay, when I'm in my power, my shoulders are back. My energy is consistent and steady. I feel calm. I feel grounded. It's almost like I'm more out of my head and I'm living a little more in my heart. I am not making rash decisions. I'm not overstepping boundaries or letting anyone overstep mine. I'm affirming I'm safe and I'm actually going to feel and work through what I'm feeling, right? So you start with building that actual awareness and then it's like, okay, well, I've given my power away. Now what do I do? 
So then it's a matter of starting to go, okay, well, what happened? Like, why did I give my power away? Oh, well, because I fear if I don't say yes and go do this thing that I don't want to do at all, that I'm going to upset that person and I hate conflict and I just don't want to have to deal with that. And it's like, okay, there's the people pleaser. But if I keep saying yes, when I want to say no, I'm going to keep resenting myself and hold that against myself. And that's not good for any part of me versus if I set Mm -hmm. a healthy boundary and start to practice saying no, probably not going to upset the other person. I'm benefiting me and myself and right. That starts to bring in more balance. So same with say, if you get triggered to emotionally eat, okay, well, let me look at before I go to food, like what's triggering me physical versus emotional hunger, like what's going on. So part of it, I know that is a challenge for people is being willing to take a few minutes to actually explore what you're feeling and what brought it up. Because one of the reasons that some people don't ever heal this is because they just think like, there's a quick fix. Like if I just read a certain book or do a certain journal or take a supplement and eat clean, like that'll fix everything. Well, you have to be willing to explore your emotions and build awareness around them because the more awareness you build around what it feels like when you give your power away versus keep it, guess what? If you get triggered, the sooner you catch your ego and you take your power back and you spend so much time less living in your ego and so much more living in your power. You have to be willing to put in a little bit of time though, because this is years or decades of patterns, habits, and conditioning, and it's going to take time to shift. So this is where I find another important first step is opening up a self-care practice, even if it's starting with five or 10 minutes a day, where maybe you have in your journal, like, am I in my power in my ego right now? What emotions am I feeling? Do a body check-in. How's my body feeling? Do I have any symptoms? Because this is going to start to help you build awareness. Awareness is the key to starting to change. So, and needing, having space and time where you can get grounded and explore your emotions and start working through them is a vital part of all of the healing that you want to do, whether it's all or nothing or gut health, relationship with food, worth, et cetera. So start with being in tune and aware of what it feels like in the body, both, and then the thoughts and emotions, write them down and then start trying different self-care practices to help you get grounded. Because here's the cool thing about self-care and taking your power back. When you do self-care, it helps you to become present. It helps regulate your nervous system. And the more present and regulated your nervous system, the more in your power you are. And the ego cannot come in when we're present. And it's so much more difficult for the ego to take over when you're like, oh, I'm aware that's my ego. I'm going to start using my tools, right, to help me process through this. So that's, I think, such a vital place to start. And for some people, you may want to get support because this is so deep and like, It's so intricate and I find people may start and then the ego convinces them, oh, nothing is working. Why bother? Right. So sometimes that deeper dive and having someone that can help us call out our ego, identify it and give us tools and support and guidance to shift out of it more easily can be very helpful. But those are things you can start with. I think that, and that's what I started with. I didn't even know what the ego was 10 years ago. You know, people started pointing it out to me and started listening to resources and books and things. And it's like, wow, this is not supposed to be calling the shots. We are supposed to be calling the shots. <laughs> yeah, they sure. So I think what's so interesting as well, Amber, like this thing about increasing awareness. And obviously, to do that, it's so helpful, isn't it, to slow down. And we can do that maybe by starting to build in a little bit of self care, little mini pauses where we sort of connect with ourselves. I'm sure you find with your clients, as I do with mine, that I think there's such a fear sometimes, isn't there, of slowing down and just being present? 
people find that incredibly hard to do when they have been spinning so fast. And when they do slow down, they realize that being in their head, in their body, it's just not very pleasant at all. And that can be really hard, can't it, to sort of sit with that discomfort? Yeah, 100%. And every single person that's willing to face their ego and heal on a deeper level will have to go through that discomfort. And that can be, you know, one of the beautiful things about having someone walking along every step of the way to get the love, the reassurance, the guidance, pick you up when you (laughs) fall and dust you off. There is discomfort. You cannot avoid the discomfort. But what is on the other side of the discomfort and the fear? Because the fear in this case, there is no bear in your office getting ready to attack you if you do self-care. This fear is false evidence appearing real. Your ego has created a story, kicked you into a stress response. So what's so important for you to realize and affirm for yourself in that moment is I am safe. There is no external threat. Yes, this feels so uncomfortable. It feels icky. But I know in a few minutes it will shift and I will have taken my power back and I will be able to like do the self-care again. The guilt can be another strong one, right? Like I feel guilty Mm -hmm. taking time for myself. I have a lot of clients who are moms or like the mom guilt. I don't have time. I've got to give to my child. And if I give to me, then they're going to be upset and wounded. And it's like, no, we need to give to ourselves as well. Like our bodies are not robots. You don't put sand in a Ferrari. We need to stop treating our bodies like they're robots. And then you get upset because your body's not functioning the way you want her to. We need to be willing to go like time, giving time to myself is so vital. And again, it's uncomfortable at first. You feel the guilt, you feel the fear. But as you start to get into habits and, you know, routines and rituals that are aligned for you, what starts to become comfortable? The self-care time, being aware, catching your ego, catching the emotional eating trigger and working through it. And then you get a dopamine hit because you did something loving and respectful for yourself. And now it starts to feel unfamiliar is feeling guilty to take time for yourself, letting the fear talk you out of doing the self-care or building the awareness. So the switch will flip regardless of what it is that's coming up for you. But the ego mastery part is huge with the fear, the all or nothing, the guilt, because it feels like such a solid brick wall in front of us blocking us, but there's no brick wall. It's just literally you and your mind versus you choosing to step forward. I know that's so helpful the way you explained that. And I think the guilt is huge, isn't it, for so Mm. many people. And I think the guilt about slowing down, the guilt about self-care, etc. But yeah, I like the way that you've said that we kind of like see that there's this solid brick wall in front of us, but actually it's not really there. It's all in the mind. But can you sort of say any more about, because I think with the guilt for some people, it's almost paralyzing, isn't it? And I think being able to sort of get through that, to lean into that, to let that pass, to be able to experience the benefit of the self-care so we get that different response in the body. Like, would you just say to people in a way, it is just kind of repetition, talking to yourself much more kindly? Like, do you have anything else to add, I guess, to that in terms of how you can manage that intense guilt? Yeah, I think part of it is really looking at, and it's not a blame, it's observing, like, how did you grow up? And did your family Mm. say you put everyone else first? Like, it's, you know, bad to be selfish, you should be ashamed and feel guilty if you're taking care of yourself and not prioritizing everyone else, right? So part of it is to understand there's some trauma that you and your inner child have undergone, and that's going to take some time to process and shift. So don't be hard on yourself if it's coming up and you can't shake it right away. Remind yourself, 
you are powerful in your lineage and you get to actually be the last one that carries that forward and heal it and let it go. And you get to claim it's safe to take care of myself. It's safe to make myself a priority. It's safe to be selfish. And then as you gain your power, even if your family has their opinions, they just bounce off of you because you're like, this is such a better place to be, right? And it's not your responsibility to heal your family. So I feel like that's an important piece. The positive self-talk, the encouragement and giving yourself proof that when you slow down and you take and start with small amounts of time, you know, if you feel the guilt is just debilitating, start with five minutes and slowly build it because you're going to create memories in your mind and start associating self-care, awareness, speaking more kindly to myself, catching that trigger with safety, with success, with power, confidence, you know, feeling more calm in your mind and body, right? In your soul. And you're going to create more of those memories. And then when you think about doing self-care or taking time for yourself or saying no, the ego is going to bring the guilt up. But you're going to be like, oh, but I have so much proof and I have so many memories that are positive in my mind now. And that when I think of the sensation in my body, oof, I feel more relaxed. So you know what? That guilt doesn't serve me anymore. I'm not going there. I am moving forward right? So those positive memories are so important. And then I love things like EFT tapping because mm-hmm. we can tap out that guilt and those negative thoughts and emotions and we can tap in what we want. So yes. Mm. And with your tapping, like, would you have, I mean, I guess it depends on your clients, but would you have that as a kind of a regular practice for someone to be doing maybe over a period of weeks or kind of building that in as a habit? Yeah, definitely. So with most of my clients in the programs, I do tapping, like actually creating custom tapping scripts to be very specific to the key negative thoughts and limiting beliefs that each client is experiencing are provided through the duration of our time together. And so they'll get into tapping, I would say 99% love it. And once the familiar and they experience the relief and the power shift, like I always say for effectiveness, three to four days a week, don't try to be perfect and do it every day. As that happens, then they feel called to continue on with it and we create other topics and then they just pick from whatever they need when they start to go out of their power. And then they, I find most it's a tool they continue to use and just make up their own things in their mind as they're going along. But it's, to me, it's one of the most effective tools to help shift this. And no matter what it is, whether it's limiting beliefs or physical symptoms, right? Like these tools are so potent to help regulate the nervous system, tell our brain we're safe. And then that's where we can really get into the deep healing. Mm, Absolutely. And Amber, can I ask you, actually, do you still use tapping yourself as an ongoing kind of habit with your well-being and taking care of yourself? Or would you just draw on it now if you are facing a particular challenge or issue or just being nosy? Yeah. I use it every day, pretty much. I love it. I wake up in the morning and I tap. To me, it's such a great way to start the day. It's such a great way to just acknowledge anything that's going on or tap in like positive affirmations. So I swear by it. It's probably one of the most helpful tools that I started using when I was processing through so much like emotion and trauma and things, you know, healing my relationship with food and getting into my current relationship because there's a lot of fear of abandonment there. And it really helped me clear a lot of that out. So yes, I love it. I swear by it. I'll probably do it till the day I die. And I highly suggest it because it is such a transformational, powerful tool. Mm, Yeah, sure. And do you recommend for anyone listening, maybe who's not in therapy at the moment, but wants to investigate it a little bit more, is there anywhere you would sort of send someone to perhaps be able to kind of like view resources or anything um, in relation to things? Totally. The tappingsolution.com, the founder's created it or that's their website and so you can go watch videos read more about it learn how to do it 
that is such a golden resource. Mm, yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. And thank you as well, just for talking about the kind of the, through the guilt and looking at sort of trauma and where we've sort of like the messages we've inherited and grown up with. Because I sometimes think the more I kind of work with clients and the more kind of like, you know, experiencing kind of like Western culture. And I guess think in the past that like mental health just wasn't really acknowledged, was it? And so many of our kind yeah. of parents have just been striving all or nothing you know not aware of their emotions not in that kind of harmonious place of stepping into their power and of course doing the best they could at the time with the limited resources that were available so yeah I think so many of us have really struggled then haven't we to find that place of kind of peace and harmony and stepping into our power and being in touch with our bodies etc it's a very sort of common phenomenon isn't it you know many people experience yes it is. And I think we've just been so conditioned. Don't feel, shove everything down, right? Like use food, use technology, use alcohol, use online shopping, right? Use people pleasing and overbooking your schedule to just keep this shoved down and keep you distracted. It's too uncomfortable to feel or let it out. And so this is why though it's so painful and why things like guilt and shame and fear are so heavy and so dense and can drag us down so far because Oof, like when you feel that guilt, it just completely shuts you down. Your nervous system ramps up. You get critical of yourself and get so in your head. And then, of course, what do we want to do? Well, I don't want to feel any of this. So I'm going to go eat the chocolate or eat the chips or go scroll through my phone, right? And we want to reconnect with ourselves and know that we're so much more powerful than these emotions that don't have to have the same level of power over of us. But yeah, we have to be willing to get out of these old, or I guess these newer self-sabotaging habits that we've found ourselves in, because it's just, like I said, it's not our natural state to be in this space and we Mm. get to change it. Yeah, we do. So Amber, like so many great tips and resources and so much valuable information shared so far in this episode. I mean, I'm just a bit aware of our time together, but is there anything that you particularly wanted to add that you haven't mentioned about the all or nothing mentality, just in terms of about it or healing from it? I mean, I know it's such a vast topic. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the keys are be patient and give yourself time because if you've had this mentality for years or decades, you have to understand how deep the wiring is chemically, emotionally, and physically in your body. And it's going to take time for balance to feel more familiar. And balance looks different for everyone. So don't think that you have to inherit someone else's definition of it. You're going to create your own through experimenting and playing in. You're going to go back and forth between all or nothing and balance. It happens. It's inevitable. You're human. I think the second thing is really being willing to be honest with yourself about it that like I can be a high achiever I can have big goals but there is a fine line between a healthy goal and action taking where like you're also keeping yourself in mind and you're taking care of your basic needs like sleep nourishment water self-care time right versus the overachieving all in like I'm not even taking time to go to the bathroom I'm surviving off of caffeine and like But then I'm trying to, you know, cut calories to lose weight and I'm, you know, upset with my body. So it's like, be honest with yourself. Like, how are you showing up for yourself or not? Don't judge yourself. But if you're in the ladder, right, where you're just kind of surviving through life to prove and try and show you're somebody, right, at the expense of your health and well-being, be honest with yourself that like there's so much better available for you and you can start to be aware of how important this is for you to shift by the way you're currently thinking about yourself, perceiving yourself and taking care of yourself. 
And if it is that bare minimum and you're suffering with a lot of symptoms, please let that be the motivator to help you want to change it. But it will over time and it clears. And guess what? You can still be the type A person. You can still have your days where it comes up because we're human and it's never going to be perfect. But quality of life, the freedom, the ease, the peace, the healing available when we are willing to do this, like women heal their relationship with food. They heal their body image issues. They heal their hormones finally, because they're no longer in this extreme. So I guess those are the things I can have to share is you can shift it and it will really open up the quality of your life and your health. Mm. Yeah, no, well, thank you so much. And it's so great. I think just to inspire hope, isn't it? Because of sometimes when we're in the depths of that awful kind of cycle, it can just feel like there's no way out. I guess like with you and I, we have both sort of walked this path and um, being out the other side, it is a place of so much more joy and peace. And yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, is it ever? Is it ever? Like I still can picture in my mind, like when I would take my chart, my weight loss chart, and I would draw this big, like a uh, charities will have like they'll raise money and they keep filling in like I don't know what it's called like the beaker with all the mercury in it like the thermometer right and I had my big piece of paper and I'd be like okay like if you reach this weight loss goal and you don't binge and you're perfect and you get to this point well then we'll buy a new outfit and then we'll go on this trip right and I just remember the perfection and the all or nothing and I swear I'd get to the gym and if the elliptical wasn't available I'd be like screw it my workout is ruined I'm gonna go home and binge right? Like that's how extreme it was for me when I could have just gone and done something else, but that was the ego and the intensity of that part of me. So I get it. I get how intense it can be. And don't let that drill sergeant continue to manage you. Like you're just worth so much more than that. So Amber, where can people find you if they want to find out more about the work you do? Yeah. So everything is available at amberapprove.ca. If you're wanting to connect and, and talk about the all or nothing deal with the ego, see how it's impacting your hormones, heal this self-sabotage with yourself and your body, et cetera. You want to work through the guilt. I'm happy to connect with you offer a 30 minute body freedom consultation at amberapprove.ca. You can also check out my podcast, the no sugar coding podcast, which is also available there or on any podcast app. And I'm also on Instagram and it's my name, Amber Romaniuk, R-O-M-A-N-I-U-K. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Amber. And I shall make sure all your details are in the show notes. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. It has just been such a great chat. Yeah, no, well, thank you so much. I love having you on the podcast. You just bring so much value. And I feel like I learn something new every time. And yeah, it's very inspiring and uplifting. So thank you so much. Well, my pleasure. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did and do go and check out all of Amber's details in the show notes. If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. Just to let you know, I do have quite a long waiting list for individual therapy, but you might be interested in my online course. And if you go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk, there's a 50% discount code there. And also you can find out lots more info. If you enjoy this podcast, I would be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. And the podcast has been doing brilliantly. Thanks to all of you guys in the Apple charts recently. In the last couple of weeks, we've been, I think the highest rating was about 21 and I'm currently at number 30. So I'm very excited about that. And it's just thanks to all of you for listening and reviewing and rating. And yeah, all your great feedback. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. And I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm-hmm.